episode one, Jamie. Are you ready for this? I think so. I mean, we've prepared a lot for it, so we should be ready for it by now. I mean, we have done a lot of preparation. This is a little bit more well-prepared than our interview with Nick Montgomery, but that has happened. That will be coming up, and uh, we should probably introduce ourselves. Hello, my name is Nugget. Nickname, of course, that's not my real name, but you will find my real name out eventually because Jamie will slip up. Yep. I just, I just go by Nugget, and that's what my mates call me and everything. Um, And, yeah, Jamie's my co-host, or I'm his co-host. He'll probably assert dominance soon enough, but yeah. how are you going, Jamie? Yeah, not too bad, Nugget, yourself, man? Yeah, good, good, yeah. So this is this is episode one. The big episode one of the Circle and Rectangle show, the new Australian A-League and W-League podcast. So thanks for jump- joining in already, but um, should we jump into it? Obviously, we've missed, I think, what, four match weeks already, but yeah, we've, yep. uh, we've life's got ahead of us, but uh, we yep. really wanted to do this one properly. So Yeah, we, we sort of took our time making sure we got it right. Would have loved to have debuted at the start of the season, but... Yeah, like like Nugget said, almost slipped up there again. Uh, life just gets in the way, but we are here now, episode one, starting off with a bang with a huge interview as Nugget teased. Um, I guess we'll get into the season so far, kind of what we've missed. We've missed a couple of massive derbies. Uh, obviously, started the season with the F3 derby. Central Coast Mariners surprising everybody, I think, um, knocking off Newcastle Jets 1-0. Um, I mean, did you see that one coming? Considering how the Mariners were last year, I really didn't, but... In saying that, uh, Stadich has done a really top job with the Mariners in the off-season, and they have come out flying at the start of the season. Obviously, it's a bit early to say what's going to happen, considering most of the uh, New South Wales teams have only played them amongst themselves, with the exception of, I think, Wellington Phoenix, who have now got their little bubble in Wollongong, and Brisbane playing Newcastle Jets, obviously, because the borders are open there. But yeah, no, it's a fantastic start to the season for the Mariners. Obviously, uh, a derby for them is always always good, and getting it over the Crosstown rivals of Newcastle. But uh, yeah, as you've said, big way to start the season. Yeah, um, I mean, I think we're a pro Stadich podcast. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think with the young squad he's got there, with the experienced players, which we touch on in the interview, um, I think they're going to have a good season. Possibly a playoff team. I would hope they would make the finals because he is an amazing coach, and they have some really good young players coming through. But Hey, to start the season with a derby win, and you know we've seen what they've done since then. I think they've only lost one game, which was unlucky to the Western Sydney Wanderers. So, uh, I wouldn't call it unlucky, but oh well. Moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, on. The next one, next big game, I guess you could think of is the Sydney derby. Uh, kind of a boring one-all draw. Not what uh, I mean. Wanderers have kind of had the rubber of the green over Sydney in the last couple of games, so. You expected them to come out firing, but a one-on draw in a Sydney derby, that's not what the people want to see. We need to see goals, and we need to see someone coming out a winner. What is it? Wasn't, it wasn't really a fiery one either. Like, oh, you, you go to a few of the few of the clashes in the past. Uh, I think you look at last season as well. The first two derbies were 1-0 victories to the Wanderers. Uh, Mitch Duke scoring the winner in both games, and then Georgeski getting sent off in the uh, second one. That was a bit fiery out of the uh, Jubilee, I believe it was. Yeah. But then, yeah... Um, the last derby for the last season for the the big Sydney teams were um, obviously again a one all draw. In the behind closed doors, that's when all the lockdowns really started for us out here. But yeah, starting starting what round match week two was the derby. Yep. Uh, yeah, one all. Uh, Troisi. Yeah, it was the soft penalty to Sydney FC. Ninkovic going down was really kind of pretty soft. But um, yeah, and Troisi, I'm pretty sure he scored the equalising goal. Did. He didn't went from zero to hero. I almost yeah. his name up, which is really disappointing for me. But um, yeah, you say soft penalty, but look, at the end of the day, I think it was a penalty. He did yeah. kind of step out of his natural line to impede the defender. He did go down quite easily, but at the end of the day, pen's a pen. Um, yep. But yeah, then scoring the uh, equaliser later on. So good one-all draw for the Wanderers in that one after their, I'd say, disappointing start of the season against the new boys, MacArthur FC. Yeah, um, that MacArthur team's pretty loaded with quality players, but and you, I mean, you didn't really play good. It was almost like you were a step behind to start the season, but you've come on, or the Wanderers have come on since then, not you. Um, you kind of, you kind of blown my cover of who I support, but that's... Okay. I mean, it comes out in the interview with Nick anyway, so yeah. you guys are going to figure it out eventually. Um, I do rip into him a little bit. One of the other notable games I think we forgot to touch on when we were preparing the show was um, Perth's first game of the season over Adelaide, 5-3. What a way to start the season. God, I've sworn already. Um, <laughs> I've already done it, I think, twice. But yeah, I'd, we'll, we'll touch on Perth because they obviously had two games in this match week and their first, what, first two games conceding, what, eight goals in two games, but they also scored nine. 
Yeah, they're the first team in A-League history. And i, I got to say, it's possibly a record in entire football where the first team to score five goals one week and then concede five the next game. So huge, I don't know what you call issues for Richie Garcia here at Perth, but I mean, entertaining football. No one can say football is boring when there's eight goals in one game and nine goals in the next. So Perth is much, well, if you watch the game tonight, recording on Australia Day night. Um, they are much what must watch TV at the moment. Uh, yeah, if, if I'm the uh, defensive coach, I'm kind of pulling my hair out at the moment. But <laughs> and um, for my job. Yeah, I mean, complete. Someone please just defend the goal. But um, <laughs> yeah, in saying that, yeah, good, good five three start over Adelaide, and then, yeah, that was an absolutely entertaining game, the uh, Western United Perth Glory game, which ended up five four, as Jamie just yep. said, one nil half time, and you're thinking it's yeah. going to be a good game, and then all of a sudden it was two all, and then it was three all, and then four all, and then Western United getting the fifth. Yeah. Um, Entertaining. That was just, watching that live was, like you said, 1-0 at half time. You're like, oh, this is pretty good, pretty tight. It's going to be a good game, good scrap. Hopefully Perth can bring something in the second half. And they bought something, all right. And then Western United also bought something. So um, that was amazing. Uh, a double to a young boy as well, uh, Dylan Parias. Um, some absolutely killer strikes. Like, he's got some deadly instincts in the box. And Stephen Lustica, an A-League veteran, to score the winner in the 84th minute. Um but also, from Perth, that Carlo Armiento bloke, he's not a bad footballer. We saw it tonight for against Melbourne Victory. He was a, he's looking like something, something special at such a young age. So hopefully he can continue to play the way he's playing and Perth Glory have something special in him along with yeah. Diego Sino as well. So Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, couldn't really find his feet at Adelaide and then he's gone to Perth and, what, three games he's got two goals or three goals and two assists, I believe, yeah. already this season. So, yeah, he's a real up-and-coming uh, superstar. We should all be keeping our eye on here in Australia. And, um, yeah, D'Agostino, as you said, scoring a bit um, in the, that little cheeky finish from Bruno for an in that 5-4 game. That little cheeky back heel for uh, Perth. Yeah. God, he's a superstar, isn't he, Bruno? He, he's probably the best striker the league's ever seen. Just every time he's got the ball around the edge of the box or in the box, it looks like he's going to score. He did it for City. He's continuing to do it at Perth, even though he is kind of old. Um, he still looks unstoppable whenever he's near the box and again tonight he sort of proved it again but we'll touch on that later um we kind of forgot the first game of the match week on friday night sydney fc nil central coast mariners two um i mean i absolutely didn't see this one coming like no doubt no yeah as, as you said it was a bit of a surprise the way perth have come out of the box this season but to see sydney kind of struggling as well I think Matt Simon, as uh, we did touch on in the interview with uh, Nick Montgomery as well, it was Matt Simon's 35th birthday, and he came out and played really well. He's yeah. he, look, he's he's been around been around a while. He's a as Nick. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, Nick does <laughs> talk about him a bit. We do ask him a bit about Matty Simon, but yeah, um, look, yeah, he came out had a good game on his 35th birthday to get one over his former club, and um, he was very very influential in their first goal as well. He harassed the, uh, Ben Wallen in Sydney, Sydney's defence and forced him to make the error, which put the ball into his own net. So, yeah, he had a great game on his 35th birthday. And I just want to... This game, Alan Stadjic tactically dominated Sydney FC. Like, everything Sydney FC tried to do, they it just didn't work against the Mariners. And when the Mariners got that first goal, I think the commentators mentioned it, that when the Mariners score, they are incredibly hard to break down and get a goal back, and they proved it, and they also went on and just got a second one just to make it safe. Uh, cool. Can't remember his first name, but he, he ended up... Alu Cool. Um, he, I think that was his second or third goal for the season so far, coming out of their youth academy. Just a sublime finish, just proving that they have deadly weapons that are both young and old in Matt Simon and Alu Cool. But, like I said, tactically dominated Sydney FC. Yeah, the Central Coast will probably be one of the better teams to watch this year. And um, you do say that they, um, I'll throw back to, I think, Match Week 2 as well. Uh, MacArthur FC's first home game against Central Coast Mariners and MacArthur, again, what they did to the Wanderers, they just dominated possession, really didn't didn't let them do much. But um, Central Coast just kind of strangled them out of the game, let them let them have yeah. the ball, sat, down, sat uh, back. And yeah, the first goal from um, Danny De Silva scoring against Campbelltown, uh, MacArthur at Campbelltown <laughs> Stadium. I'm going to throw that so I've cracked myself. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a wonderful goal. Uh, lead up from Matty Simon just to chest it down and play it through to Nisbet, who's had a really good start to this season, yep. to play the ball back to um to Danny De Silva. And then, yeah, kind of just strangled MacArthur out of the contest and uh, counted late to score a second. Yeah, it's Stadjic coaching. He 
he he might not have the best squad available out of the league. Like that's pretty evident with the sort of money that they have available. But he he will have a tactical plan to go against every team to neutralize their main weapons. And as you said, he did it against Macarthur. They got the two goals they needed to put it to bed, and they he did it against Sydney FC again. So huge. Huge start to the season for the Mariners. It's kind of good to see because they've been kind of depressing to watch the last couple of seasons. Yeah, you are. You're not wrong. You really are not wrong. But um, we we have touched on the uh, Macarthur, the new boys, Macarthur FC, and they they start off the season with a one 0 win over crosstown rivals Western Sydney Wanderers, um, with their Spanish imports coming off the bench and influencing the game almost immediately. Susayeta and then Benats with their deflected Mark Milligan goal. Um, but that game, that game really came down to Adam Federici being an yeah. absolute wall in the goals for MacArthur. He had an absolute blinder. Probably, I'd say, one of the best goalkeeping performances we've seen in the A-League. Yeah, and on his debut as well. I could have sworn he'd played in the A-League before, but when you think about it, he really hasn't been back in Australia for a long time. But yeah, he was clearly the man of the match for MacArthur in that game. Just could everything that they threw at him, he just had an answer to. Some quality saves, some point-blank saves, and yeah, just a really solid game for your debut in the A-League. And for that club, as for that club, yeah, coming out and winning, winning in your first game, I think yeah, Wanderers had a nil or draw with Central Coast, which, ironically, Nick Montgomery also debuted in the A League, in that game. So there's a there's a little bit of a background knowledge to that one, but um, yeah, Macarthur really came out and they they seem to be one of those teams that is gonna they're gonna press, they press high, yep. um, they've been really energetic. So uh, Milic is the oh, I can't forget Ante Milic. Ante Milicic, yes, yep. he almost got it wrong again. <laughs> I'm struggled with names, especially um, those of European descent. Um, yeah, he's coming out and really got those boys firing. Uh, Lockie Rose has been an, probably a star, as yeah. some people may call him. I may not, but look, he is developing into a, a, quite a good young player. He's just speed, really yeah. niggling those back lines, and I, I reckon he's in for a big season. Unfortunate not to score his first A-League goal in that game, but you're offside, son. <laughs> No, he, he does look explosive. I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops because, I mean, he's young, he's quick, he's energetic, he throws himself into everything he does. So I think there's a big, I think we should expect a big season from him and MacArthur. So, yeah, that's he's going to be an exciting player to watch. Yes, um, we do say that um, a little bit of background knowledge into me and Jamie as well. We are actually both originally from the MacArthur region. Yeah. So I'm, but I'm currently guess, still here. I guess you could... I mean, we're kind of fans of MacArthur at the same time as we also have our own clubs that are original, but we would like to see football like succeed in the area. So the like, oh, I, I try and get to as many games as I can. And obviously, yeah. being from the area, MacArthur home games are generally things I can get to. I may not passionately support the club, but it's always good to see football, live That's football, it. which especially nowadays. some European countries can't see at the moment. Yeah. It's always good for Australia in the current climate. But... um. We should probably move on from the past. Yeah, we'll get into the, I guess, the feature game for this this weekend's game, the original derby. Although I have some questions over why it's the yeah, original derby. I'm going to question that why. It was, would you say Adelaide and Melbourne? Melbourne yeah, Victory. Adelaide and Melbourne Victory, uh, the original derby. We do have any listeners from Melbourne or Adelaide. Can you uh, just let us know why this is the original derby? I think um, I know where Melbourne Victory is. Red. Were they the first two A-League teams named? I'm not sure. Is it South Australia versus Victoria? Because, I mean, that's been a derby in the AFL for a long time. But I feel like for Melbourne Victory, their first and foremost derby is the Big Blue against Sydney FC. And that is, to me, the original derby. Like, I mean, it's been the most fierce derby for so long. Even with the Wanderers coming in for Sydney FC, I still think the Big Blue is the biggest spectacle in the A-League. Because when those two teams get together, they hate each other. And they are two of the most successful sides in the A-League. So, But, you know, it is still a good spectacle because there is history between Adelaide and Melbourne. There's obviously the grand final thrashing from Melbourne victory. There's some pretty fierce players from both teams that have gone through this derby, and I think two of them are coaching at the moment in Grant Brebner and Carl Vitt. So <laughs> it's, I mean, that sort of adds some fire to the derby, I guess, because Grant Brebner, obviously a Melbourne victory legend, and Carl Vitt, an original striker. I think he scored the first goal for Adelaide United in, in the A-League I think actually, yeah, in the A-League in general. So there is history there, but it was Adelaide United on this night, 1-0 over Melbourne victory. Mohamed Toure, the young superstar from Adelaide, just every time he touched the ball, he just looked like something was going to happen. Probably could have had two or three goals this game, but he took his chance when he got it, and it was a beautiful finish. And they, yeah, they sink a kind of hapless Melbourne victory, who at this point in the season are kind of disappointing. 
Yeah, Melbourne victory almost off to their worst start, but we'll talk about that their third game later on. But yeah, you said Mohamed Toure, he's made his debut last season. He's been an absolute breath of fresh air to Australian football, just coming out and so energetic. We we have talked about a few young players coming through as well from other clubs, but yeah, Toure, Toure for Adelaide has been fantastic. And then you've also got the signing of Tommy Urich, who scored a few goals, maybe one or two this season. Yep. But um, yeah, Adelaide United, Melbourne victory 1-0. Um, yeah, good game to watch. Still don't know, you've touched on it, I don't know why it's the original derby. But um, Adelaide get in the, the three points there. Maybe someone can reach out on Twitter or please, Facebook and please, hit us up. Please, please educate us. Yeah, we need to be educated. Uh, the next game, uh, yesterday, oh, Sunday afternoon, sorry, not yesterday, it is Tuesday night. I'm kind of confused with my days and your leave. Uh, we saw Newcastle Jets in Wollongong defeat Wellington Phoenix 2-1 for the Jets' first win of the season. Uh, I mean, Valentino Yule, the Jets' young striker up front, has looked energetic, has looked like dangerous every time he's on the ball for the Jets, and he scored his third goal of the season so far, and then Roy Donovan getting his 50th in the A-League to put him up 2-0 before Ulysses Davila made it 2-1 and made it a little bit dicey for the last six minutes for the Jets, uh, but, you know. Good contest to watch as well, that one, yeah. yeah. He made it really entertaining with a bit, yeah, six minutes to go, getting their scores back to 2-1. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling? Obviously, we feel kind of upset, disappointed with the situation, especially, um, obviously, with the pandemic and the restrictions going on. Um, yeah, kind of feel feel bound for Wellington Phoenix, have, again, having to basically pack up their home and move the entire squad and, obviously, coaches and trainers and everything, the in, in administration back overseas to Australia. So it's, again, disappointing that they're not getting to play in front of their home crowd. Um, but hopefully these restrictions ease up soon and we can get that bubble going so we can get Wellington Phoenix home and get football back in New Zealand. Yeah, back at back at the cake tin, I think they call it, out there at um, Westpac Stadium, I think it's still called that. But yeah, we need we need to see the, um, the yellow fever back in the ground when they get up a couple of goals and get the shirts off in freezing cold temperatures. That's what we need. But um, I mean, they're doing all right for the situation they're in. They're playing tight in games. They were close to getting the win over Sydney FC. Two absolute screamer of goals that really... No keeper can do anything about there. It was unfortunate. Then they had the draw with MacArthur. Again, probably could have come away with a win. They played really good. I thought they were the better team then. But um, the Jets finally kind of playing up to, to their potential. Yeah, you could say it's against a weaker team in the Phoenix, but hey, winning breeds winning. I should know I'm a Sheffield United fan. Um, but no, nah, just good to, good to see the Jets getting a win. I mean... No one wants to see a team struggle in the way that they've been struggling. Obviously, they don't have a coach, and the situation with the ownership and the background is maybe a distraction for them at the moment, but hopefully this win sort of brings them focused into what the what their job is and just go out there and keep getting wins and hopefully build on this success and, uh, yeah, maybe push for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's a, it probably, I'd say, I don't know, I've never been in this situation, but I can only assume it's a bit difficult uh, losing your coach in preseason to another club. Yeah. And seeing that club really not, oh, I'd say firing the, the again the Wanderers were a little lackluster in the previous few seasons, but they're in the in the top half of the table this season. I think sitting third, maybe at the second or third at the time. Well, Jamie, third, at the, third at the moment. Third at the moment, equal with MacArthur FC, the new boys on uh, points, but ahead on goal difference, and uh, equal with Adelaide. Adelaide as well. There you go. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah, a good start under Carl Robertson. I think the Wanderers squad has sort of started to adjust to the way he wants to play with that sort of, whether you call it a five at the back or a three with the two wing backs. I think they're starting to get used to that sort of style. The first game, obviously, against MacArthur, they, they looked really bad at the back. They looked really shaky, but I was at the Jets-Wanderers game. They sort of came into their own. They looked a lot more... They were a little bit shaky early on, but that was where you started to see signs they were coming into that style and realising how they had to play it. And obviously, it's, against Sydney FC, it was perfect. They looked really good. You know, the penalty, whatever it is, it goes in. But, you know, they could have easily got the win there. So, obviously, Carl Robinson's style, the way he wants to stamp his authority on that squad, is starting to come good. Yeah, um, with that, they also they looked fantastic against Central Coast, getting the win there. Um, I think been hated by the fans because it is his former club, but Ziggy Gordon had an absolute immense game <laughs> against the Central Coast. And he's been really, really good for the Wanderers this year. But um, same with Murgash, the new goalkeeper, coming in after Wanderers losing low par. In the off-season, he was really good last season, probably one of the best players yeah. for the Wanderers last season. But, um, yeah, Carl Robinson's really got that, that back line kind of sorted out. I think, as you, uh, I've been told once before by a coach of mine and kind of a situation I adapt as well, um, if you have a good good back line, the worst you get is a point. 
Because the that's worst, it. worst situation you can come out with is a nil or draw. And that seems to be the way they've set up because it's looking really good. And you touched on Ziggy Gordon. That was hilarious watching that game. The Boo Boys were out and forth every time he touched it. But credit to his professionalism, he just went about his game, played as good as anyone on the pitch, and, you know, they come away with the win. So, you, I mean, I don't understand why they were that harsh to him. I mean, he was a pretty loyal Mariner for a long time. I mean, they struggled. Yeah, but he like, also did come out and said he's gone to a club that where he can try and win stuff. So, I mean, but you know, facts of that. So did, so did um, Bamiyo Han, who is now playing for Sydney FC and he still hasn't won a Sydney Derby yet. So, but he's won a championship. So, I mean, he's got that. He did win something. He has won something, but I think it is hilarious. He hasn't won a Derby, but <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I guess we'll get to the game tonight. The last game for the round. Melbourne victory two, Perth glory one. It was Perth glory until right at the death. Um, didn't play better. I think Melbourne victory were the better team on the night, but Tendo Valapi in goals, good to see him back. Didn't deserve to concede or lose that game, but a late flurry from the victory. Um, a great goal from Brimmer uh, from on the head, and then a penalty also from Brimmer, which was a clear handball. So yeah, you no, can't take it away from him. And yeah, good win for the Melbourne victory. Yeah. Yeah, Melbourne Victory really. Uh, I was watching watching this game live, thinking, "Well, Melbourne Victory are going to start off probably the worst season they've ever had with three losses on the trot." And then six minutes to go, they or four minutes to go, I think, even the eighty sixth minute. Yeah, Brimmer gets that header. It was a lovely, lovely cross from Adama Traore. No, not the Spanish flyer who plays for Wolverhampton. The Melbourne <laughs> Victory star Adama Traore. Um, yeah, good cross in and a yeah great header from Brimmer. And then yeah, clear handball. No, no ifs or buts about it. Unfortunate for the sixteen uh, year old defender who gave it away. But it's a handball. Sorry, son. Yeah. And yeah, Tough break. emphatic finish from Brimmer to score his first two goals in the A-League after playing really well for Perth Glory in the last few seasons. But yeah, come to victory and ironically scoring his first two goals against his former club. So well done, Brimmer. And must also a special note, Armietto with the assist for another Bruno Fonaroli goal. Um, he is just, as we touched before, he's just something special, Bruno Fonaroli. Like, it was... The Armietto there. I mean, he is, but from what we've seen from Bruno Fornaroli throughout the the years from City to Perth, again, scoring a goal, which, you know, I thought was going to get them the win. Uh, the way the game was sh- sh- shaping up, it looked like that classic, one team dominates, the other team goes down and scores, and then that's it. The, the team that probably didn't deserve the win gets it, but credit to Victory. They did deserve the win tonight, and they got it. They took it when they they took their chances when they had them, and, yeah, credit to them. Yeah, so that's bringing uh, Melbourne Victory's first win of the season. Um I don't think that wraps up our A-League kind of spiel on this episode. But again, we touched on in our preview show, if you haven't had a listen, we do also like talking about the W-League. And yep. to be fair, I feel I feel Australia does it a little bit, we'd obviously not a little bit, we do it a lot differently than most other uh, European or American, um, let's say what, competitions. Yeah. yeah. With the W-League, we are often playing a double header, so it's always... Good to see live football. I mean, the women's women's side of the game obviously doesn't really get as much recognition as the men. But look, when I go to football, I I love going to... If there's a doubleheader on, I'm going for both games. The women's game has really improved. Uh, last season was really good. Unfortunately, this season, obviously, we don't get as many imports through to the restrictions. But I think it's been really good seeing a lot of the young girls, or young women, sorry, coming through and playing in the W League. And um, yeah, it's really turning into a really good competition. So I think what, Brisbane Raw thumping Melbourne Victory 6-0. Yeah, Emily Gelnick scoring a couple of goals. Um, can't say football's boring because six goals in the game is crazy. So, um, yeah, huge result for Brisbane. Um, Tamika Yallop also scored an absolute screamer, which was the W League goal of the week. Check it out on the website because it was a fantastic strike from outside the box on the left foot. Absolute belter. And the Newcastle Jets women in a surprise game, I would say. Um, four beat the Wanderers one. Um, I don't know if Wanderers have a pretty good side, but on this occasion... Um, the Jets just flew out of the blocks, really. And it was actually a really fiery game. Um, some really hard tackles, some pushing and shoving between the girls. So, you know, they they throw it around as hard as the blokes do. And, I mean, another entertaining goal game, five goals. I mean, that's that's 11 goals in two games. Like, anyone who says football is boring, get the hell out of here. But uh, it's, it's also good as well. We um, obviously a lot more televised women's games as well. So I was watching the, um, the Canberra... Canberra United, is it? I believe it's Canberra United and Perth Glory. United and Perth Glory. That was a really entertaining game from both ends of the pitch. And then, yeah, two late goals to have a one-all draw. Perth Glory, who don't really have a great record against Canberra United. Um, I think, yeah, they've only beaten them twice and had six draws. Canberra United have 
thumped them. Most of the other times, yeah, Perth Glory starting off the uh, opening the scoring late. Yep. But straight off kickoff, Cambridge United came back and went straight back on the other end of the pitch and scored. So that was a really entertaining one or draw. But um, look, as we said, I, I really enjoy watching the women's game. I, was really- like, I want to say out of that Canberra United um, Perth game, if there is one W League player that I want to get on this show right now, it is Pat- Patricia Shara Lambus. She was throwing herself into every tackle. She was physical. She dominated her side of the pitch. So, you know, if someone can reach out to her, we'd love to get her on the show to talk W League because she is my type of player, a hard tackling player. And she really got under the skin of those Canberra United women. That's for sure. It's funny you mentioned that she uh, went to Westfield Sports. Oh, good, because she's a local girl. And you go, yeah. Excellent, because I really want to get her on the show, because every time she went into a tackle, she just threw everything into it. There was one in particular towards the end of the game on the edge of the 18-yard box where she got crushed in a tackle and then got up and then went as hard as she could in to try and win the ball in the next one. It almost resulted in a goal. So, yeah, if anyone can reach out to her, hit us up, because I'd love to get her on the show. Yeah, Patty Shambalabas, love your work. But um, I think that's it. I mean, there was another game. We'll touch on it. Uh, let me just load it up. This is we're more professionally. Yeah, we were. But the I got to say, the my football app isn't the best. So um, I guess we can't touch on it. But there was another game. I think it was a two-one result. I can't remember who won bet. But but we will be a little bit more professional when it comes to the W League in the future because not a lot of people cover it, and it's actually really entertaining football. I enjoy getting to either games early or that one round that they had where the W League was the feature, especially for the Sydney Derby. Um, I think we should see that more often. Maybe not in the Sydney Derby case because that is one of the spectacles of the A-League, but for sure in other games, get the women on, get the women on as the main event. Let's see if we can get crowds to stick around. It's a shame that if you don't because it's free football, man. Uh, you pay for one ticket to get in to see two games. Stick around and watch the games. It's good football all around. So, yeah, that's our W League wrap. And it was Adelaide women to uh, Melbourne City women one, which is a bit of a shock because Melbourne City are probably one of the better teams in the W League. No, I 100% agree with that. But, uh, yeah, get around, support the W League. If you support the A League, get around the W League. These uh, these girls are trying, well, I'd say trying their hardest, but they are professionals. Yep. They go out there and they entertain. They, do, they play their craft and, look... It's, as, as James said, it's really, really good football to watch. And this, and this season, you get to see a lot of the young Australian Matilda, Matilda talent because because of COVID, you can't have the international players that they would usually get over here. So you're going to see a lot more younger girls coming out and showing what they can do. And I mean, much like the A-League, you're going to see some superstars sort of come out and put their name on the big stage. So get around it. Speaking of names on the big stage, former... W League player now applying her trade at Lyon, I believe it is. Uh, we'd yep. like to congratulate Ellie Carpenter, Asian Football Player of the Year. So that's an absolutely astonishing achievement and well absolutely. done. Yeah, um, Asian Women's Football Player of the Year, huge honour because there are a hell of a lot of good women in that that category. You know, when you look just in the Matildas, you know, Alan Kennedy, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, huge names that she's gone up against and she's come out on top and well-deserved. I mean, she's playing at one of the biggest women's teams in, in all of Europe. She stars whenever she puts on that Matilda's jersey. So congratulations, Ellie. Um, much deserved award. Um, enjoy it. Maybe one day we can get you on the pod. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll throw the line in now. Yep. If we want, if anyone anyway, can get in touch with Ellie Carpenter, say we want to have a chat, let us know. But yeah, um, I think that's pretty much our wrap-up. We do have a little bit of a surprise for everyone as well. We did tease in the... Uh, in the preview show that we had a second guest lined up. Yep. Uh, we do have a second guest lined up, so everyone keep an ear out for uh, episode two. We're not going to give away the player's name, but it's really good to have this young man on board, especially considering it's his first season in the A-League. And listen out, you MacArthur fans, it is one of your boys. So new team in the on the block have one of their new stars coming on the pod next episode, so listen out for that one. Yeah, really excited. But yeah, we've... Uh, that's pretty much us, but uh, we have pre-recorded our little interview with Nick Montgomery, and yep. uh, I'd say that's about it. Yeah, I apologise if listening to the interview you think I'm a little nervous because I was because for me Nick Montgomery, um, you know, he's an idol. Growing up as a young footballer, I played the position he played, and I did it because of him. So yeah, if I get a little nervous and I start on a couple of the questions, my bad. But you know, when you meet your your footballing idol, you kind of get a little bit nervous. But yeah, we'll throw it over to. Uh, the interview now. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the interview. Joining us now for the first show of the Circling Rectangle show is Nick Montgomery. Nick, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for the invite. 
No worries. No worries. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, obviously, um, with the uh, Mariners and obviously having a great Sheffield United career and then coming over to Australia, what was what was that transition like to come over from playing in the uh, cold, wintry months of European football to the warm, blistering summer of Australia? What was that transition like for you? Oh, look, for me, I found it pretty uh, pretty easy, but I know a lot of players have struggled. Uh, I always liked the heat, the heat, to be honest. And even at, even at Sheffield United, we used to go to Malta, um, Spain pre-seasons, and I, and I always felt that when it was hot day, I was one of the fittest players there. So it never really affected me. But I mean, obviously, coming out here from playing the sort of winter competition, which it's winter in England for twelve months, really, uh, <laughs> coming to Australia. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely a good experience and, and one one that I enjoyed because I think the heat definitely zaps everybody's energy. So, being a player that was full of energy, I you know, found as as the games went on, uh, that's when I, you know, that, that that's when I found to have more energy. And later on in games, I, uh, you know, I felt probably felt better than than most other players. Yeah, no, definitely uh, later on in games because I was going through a few of your stats and uh, that wonder goal you scored against Perth in the 92nd minute obviously must have felt good. Yeah, it's always good to score any goal, but especially in the last minute. Um, again, you know, we had a really young team for a couple of years, so it was uh, a lot of my shoulders being being captain and um, like you say, trying to get these young players um, you know up to speed. We, we playing professional football, so that was uh, definitely definitely one of the highlight goals of, of my career. Not that there was that many. <laughs> oh, as you said, any goal is a good goal. Um, Absolutely. But yet, coming through as well, uh, coming into Central Coast for your first season and winning the uh, winning the championship against the Wanderers. Even though I unfortunately you missed that game due to suspension. But what was it? What was that like coming across in your first season and lifting some silverware? Yeah, look, when I initially spoke to Graham Arnold, the, you know the club Sheffield United had a link with the Mariners, and, and for example, Trent Sainz, we quite a few of the boys came over, sort of trialing back in the day. So I always had that, you know, that that link with the club. And when I spoke to Graham, he sort of told me about the A League, and you know, I just turned 30, 31, I think. So I was looking to, to you know, to, to get abroad and try a new experience. And I could feel that on the phone that you know he was disappointed and he was desperate to to try and win the trophy for the club uh, after coming close previously. So I think coming over, it was you know, part of my remit was to make sure that you know we, we had a competitive competitive team that could win the league so as you as you mentioned then um, I, play, I think I played every game that season and got two yellow cards which is believe it or not was my first red card in my career um, against Melbourne victory in the semi-final we won 1-0 it was the last minute and, and to get that red card was devastating but to be honest we you know I knew that I knew the boys would win the game and Oli Bozanic who's back now as captain he was a young player at the time he, you know he hadn't played much that season me and John Hutchinson were sort of solid partnership in the middle <coughs> So um, yeah, so you know, when I missed that game, I just gave Ollie some advice and just got there and enjoy it. And I think I'd say you know he, he, it was just a it was a good game and one that I felt that we were always going to win. So to win the title, you know, in my first year, knowing that I'd given uh, you know a big contribution was a really proud moment for me. Yeah, that's it. It's not all about the the final game of the year, although it is weird in Australia. But you know, the the games that get you there they are pretty important as well. So. Um, how have you enjoyed living in Australia? Um, obviously, it's a little bit of different to England, as you said at the start, um, and you seem to like it because you've stuck around now, coach. So it can't be all bad. Yeah, look, obviously the weather's a massive, a massive plus. You know, coming from from the UK, and when I moved out here, my twins were I think fourteen months old, and, and to be honest, they just really, uh, you know, they really progressed out here with the, with the climate and stuff. So, look, you did, you know. The, the pressure is very little here compared to overseas and, and that's one thing I try and say to the young boys here that you know if you can't play under pressure here then you know you are really going to struggle to, to go overseas because even lower leagues all the way up to the Premier League the, you know the fans live and breathe football whereas here it's you know it's one of many sports and uh, fans go to enjoy the game it's a family you know it's a family atmosphere whereas in Europe it's you know at times it feels like it's life or death and um, you know, it's, it's it's one thing that I don't think you can ever prepare players for whereas me coming this way over I found it a little bit you know probably a little bit strange that there wasn't that passion there and, and desperation to, to win and um, you know at times losing is accepted which you know if you give everything that's that's fine but there's a lot of games where you see teams not really perform and they get clapped off after and the fans aren't fanned, whereas it's it's very, very different in Europe. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, happen over there. 
European football fans are brutal. But yeah, yeah saying oppression that is a, a bit eased over here. I, I know you played in, I think, an F3 derby and you guys came away with a victory that sealed Newcastle Jets' wooden spoon. What What's it like? Obviously, it's, again, you don't want a wooden spoon, but there, as you said, there's no real pressure. So what's the, how, do you, how does it feel different from coming dead last and possibly getting relegated to coming last and being, oh, we'll try again next year kind of thing? Yeah, again, that's you know, it's not it's not normal really because most leagues in the world you finish bottom, you get relegated, and yeah. you know, along with that comes financial implications. Um, you know, fans absolute disgust. So, you know, for for you know, for a league where there's no relegation, like you said, then it's a case of you know, let's try something, let's which we did here, we only did here, just play a lot of young players. Um, you know, hopefully. They can progress, and, and sometimes it doesn't work. When you got to have that balance, and that's one thing you know that, that the clubs learn now. Because I think you know the first year I came out, the club was quite lucky. Matty Ryan, Trent Sainsbury, Tommy Rodgy, you know Oliver Zanich, Bernie Beanie. We, we actually have a really good bunch of young players, and that you know that, you don't get that every year. It's 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 not you know it's not something that happens all the time. And I think with the sale of a few of them and the success, but obviously the main driving force behind that was the experienced players and, and, and pushing everybody in. Myself, John Hutchinson, uh, Patrick Francois, Daniel McBreen, Milos Dijovsky, you only have to look around, you know, the amount of games, you know, top level overseas games that, that, that we'd played and really the young boys came on board and, you know, you try and teach them everything you can and, and, and you know, to see them go on and progress from that and, and go and play in Europe, it's it's great to know that you've helped them in some way. Uh, so Mitch Duke as well, plays like Mitch Duke, it was, uh, it was you know, it, it was a good bunch that, that went on to to progress so you know it's always proud and you, you, you know you know you've helped somebody in some in some way especially a young player push on and, and get on the ladder of being professional but that's only the start I think staying there is always the, the hardest thing oh yeah and Matt Ryan now playing at Arsenal his boyhood club so that's a huge thing for him and it all started yeah. on the Central Coast yeah great for great for Matt he's an Arsenal fan he's had a difficult time but look that does happen in England you know they want top keepers you know in training and, and, and in the stock so hopefully he can push through and, and make that first team because he's a, he's a top kid and, and a top goalkeeper um, so I'm trying not to be too much into the Sheffield United because we are an A-League podcast but I can't you know I can't help myself um, a few questions um, the best player you played with for the Blades that wasn't yourself Look, I played with so many, so many great players. Um, you know, uh, it's hard. You know, the, the likes of Jagielka, Michael Brown, um, Michael Tong, Peter Unlove. Um, oh, there's, there's so many, but I think, as in actual ability-wise, I've said it a few times. I think Michael Tong as a young player coming through. Remember the goals against Liverpool. I think you know, if he'd got the move that he deserved at the time, I think it would have gone on and on. But uh, you know, in football. Sometimes the moves that you make, you know, don't work out. And he went to Stoke for for good money, um, and it just didn't really work out from there. And I felt that, you know, he, if he'd have gone to the right club, he would have he would have gone on because he was a fantastic player. But like I said, don't want to be disrespectful to to any others because there's there's so many top players that I played with. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to answer. Now, in 2010, um, we we know you're a boyhood Leeds fan, and. Um, Playing time probably wasn't huge for the Blades around then. I think we just dropped down to the... I think, no, we were still in the championship. Um, and you were... How close were you to signing with Leeds? Yeah, look, I started out with Leeds as a kid. You know, no, no, it's no secret that I was from Leeds. I started a Leeds United sign from on schoolboy forms. Um, and, and not when I got to 16. Um, you know, the club was fine in the Champions League. I had quite a few like illnesses with glandular fever missing training and at the time you know I, I sort of spoke to Paul Hart and he couldn't guarantee that I would have got a scholarship when I left school so that's when I, uh, I took the op- opportunity to, to move on and that's when Sheffield United offered me the, you know, the, the, the scholarship straight away so um, you know after that I think there's three times that I could have signed for Leeds once I was very close um, but you know the club didn't want me to go and um, you know I was always loyal to Sheffield United probably too loyal at times um, because you know I stayed with him through hard times when I could see the hard times were coming when uh, sort of the money was taken out and, and, and the players some some good players were let go so look I don't regret any of it I love Sheffield United like you say it's, uh, that's, that's my club it always will be but like I say Leeds is Leeds was my first club and, and you know like you say I don't live with any regrets but you know I did come close to signing for a couple of times and uh, you know, we probably uh, probably would have been good to you know, to experience playing 
Ellen Road in the first team, but I uh, just had to go there and score at the cop end instead. So <laughs> that's always good. Um, so take us back to your first team debut for Sheffield United against uh, Norwich at Carrow Road. What was that like coming on as a young young lad as a substitute? I think it's everybody's dream when I first joined the club. Um, you know, obviously your ambition is to get in the first team. You see the first team players, and you want to be in and around it. So you know, to work hard, and, and then again, you know, I'll, I'll give you the short version. But I broke my ankle in my first year apprentice, second year apprentice. I had meningitis, the the, the, the viral version. Uh, sorry, the, the bacterial version. Ended up in hospital for two weeks on a drip. Um, missed a lot of games. So to be honest, that two years where you really need to push on and, and get in the first team I had a bit of a nightmare to say the least but I think Neil Warnock came in and he didn't really care about what had gone on previously he just wanted players that were passionate that, that would fight for, for the club and, and, and make the team competitive and you know he saw me playing and that was it from then on you know, I uh, scored a hat-trick in the reserves at Stockport and that was on the Wednesday night on, on the Saturday I made my debut um, at Norwich away so yeah, I remember coming on and just enjoying it, thinking you know, after everything I've been through, this is what I've always wanted to do, and just grabbed it with both hands. And that's again something I tell the young players that you have to be ready for the opportunity because if you don't grab it with both hands, it can disappear quickly. There's probably thousands, if not millions, of uh, players that came on the scene for for one or two appearances and and never played again. So I think you know, for me that was reward for just believing and just. You know, being single-minded, that's all I wanted to do. And, and again, you know, needed, obviously need a little bit of luck and, and be in the right place at the right time. But from that moment on, I was you know, I was in, in the Sheffield United squad for the next 12, 12 years, I think. And um, Yeah, you did, you did say it was a, everyone, every boyhood dream to everyone to uh, play for your club. But um, you've moved on from professional football now and you're now into the uh, coaching side. You mentioned names of, obviously, Graham Arnold, current Socceroos coach, and then Neil Warnock, a legendary English coach. How have... How have they influenced your coaching mentality or coaching style, per se? Look, I always wanted to get into coaching. I think the management side of it, the leadership side of it. You know, I've been captain at Sheffield and, and been captain of the Mariners and everywhere I've been, I thought, you know, I think it's a natural progression. It's not easy, but you know, I always like the coaching and, and the sort of you know, mentality side of it. Of, you know, I do believe that you can be the best coach in the world, but if the players don't believe in you and, and you know don't have respect for you and are not going to fight for you, then you know, it doesn't matter how good you are or how good your players are. So I think I do like that side of it. Um, and, and look, I started on the coaching badges when I was still playing. I did the UEFA B&A licence and I finished a pro licence during during the lockdown period um, when, when COVID-19 hit. So for me to get the UEFA pro licence, which is a, you know, the best um, yeah. or the biggest coaching award you can get, I think it's something I always wanted to do, like making my appearance in the first team when I began coaching to you know, to get the pro license, which allows you to coach anywhere in the world at the highest level. But the question there about people that you've worked with, I've been fortunate. I worked with Neil Warnock, you know, some top coaches, Neil Warnock, you know, Brian Robson, you know, uh, uh, Brian Kidd, obviously legendary Brian Kidd. I was lucky. I worked with Mike Feeling. Mike Feeling came out to Australia for six months working at the Mariners in terms of, you know, in the youth side of it. And that's where I really sort of, you know, spent a lot of time with him and, I don't think you can learn off anyone better. He's, you know, he went back to Man United and Man United are now top of the league. And yeah. in terms of what we talked about with young players and what he taught me, you know, I've used a lot of that here to, to help develop these players. And you know, like you said, I think you take a, you take the good bits from everybody that you've worked with, and there's too many to mention. But you know, there's obviously bad bits as well that you, <laughs> that you don't do. Um, but from that, I think that you know, as well as your own beliefs and, and your own your own thoughts around coaching and, and working with top people I think you know that's really where you learn from and to be honest I was lucky that I um, I met a guy on my A license a Portuguese coach called Sergio Raimundo and, and he actually works with me here now and to be honest I've learned so much off him someone that's worked at Benfica Academy which is you know producing some of the best players in the world and you know to, to learn and have someone like him working alongside you uh, you know like you said for me it's it's it, it, you know, it's, it's it's about who you work with and having a team of people around you and, and here I've had some students that have come on board to do the video analysis and stuff like that and I think actually having a good team of people around you so you can concentrate on what you're good at and, and delegate to others I think that's uh, again uh, a good part of, of being a coach and a manager as well. Um, we talk about your, the players that you've had come through the, the youth yeah, the youth team through the Mariners um, now starring for the um, for the first team. Um, 
I, I've seen your Instagram stories when they score goals and they make their debuts. You're obviously very proud, but just um, how proud are you that they've come through that development and now they've made that next step and it seems like they're going to, you know, they've got their feet in at that next level, even though it is very early and, you know, surely they have some some part to, to thank you for helping them get to that next uh, that next level. Yeah, look, I mean, it's quite extraordinary at the minute, the amount of young players that, you know, we've got pushing into the first team here at the club and to see the club sitting top of the league and then count the four goals that have been scored, three goals have been scored by the, the, the you know, the young players that I played under me last year. So obviously it's proud and, and I think that's what, you know, in terms of having a good academy set up is, you know, is to produce players. And I think, you know, one thing that happened during the lockdown is we got together we sort of set this mentality off, you know, now's the time to, you know, to to, to, to show everybody, everybody that you're ready when the league starts back up. And, you know, we won the league, won, won the grand final with, with both the under-23s and under-20s. And for me, from that team, I think there's about eight or nine that have been training with the A-League and I think five or six have, have, have made an appearance already this season. So it's quite, uh, you know, it, it's great for the club. Obviously, uh, Stadge coming in last year, uh, had a tough year. Um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have... You know, bags of money to go out and buy uh, top-class uh, foreign players, and at times we were unlucky last season. But a bad run of form, um, you know, meant that the, the, the team struggled. But I think he's worked hard and rejuvenated the squad over the over the off-season. And having these young players come in, the likes of Matty Simon, you know, Oli Bazanich, Birigetti, Ruan Tony, all of a sudden you've got this uh, this this real mix of youth and experience. And uh, I think the A League in general, with the uh, with the pandemic. Impact has meant that you know the clubs are not spending as much as as they used to. You know yeah. they can't afford to be spending as much use. And the big clubs like Sydney and you know Lafonge has gone overseas. Uh, you know for Sydney has been a big loss for them. But yeah. look at Perth Glory. They obviously spent a lot over the last couple of years as well as Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City. These teams, I don't think any of them have, have really pushed the boat out this year. So the opportunity to to really compete with them. It's been perfect timing, and that's what you know. We kept drilling into the young boys that you got to grab your opportunity, you got to be ready when it comes now. And like I said, you know, uh, Luke Hall and, and Jordan Smiley scoring three out of the four goals scored this season, and plenty of others coming on and making appearances. It's it, it's, you know, it's proud for me that knowing that I've helped them along the way, and I think you know, mentored them and, and, and tried to make them understand what's what's accepted, you know, what's expected at first team level and what the demands are. and and like you said, it's uh, you know it's been great for myself and Sergio, and great for Stadge and and, and and the first team that these boys are really pushing and creating competition for places. Clearly, they took the advice of you know, be ready when you get that shot because sometimes you're not ready and you don't take it, and then it's all gone in a flash. And they've taken it, so that's huge. Is it a little bit reminiscent of the title-winning Mariners team with the amount of youth players in there, surrounded by the experience, as you said, you know, Matt Simon, Bazanic, Birgitti at the back, who I think is probably. One of the best signings for the Mariners, the type of goalkeeper he is. It's a little bit reminiscent of that 2012-13 team, and I mean the way they've started the season. It's a, it's not a pipe dream that they could easily be there at the end of the year. Although, yeah, look, I think it's early doors. We're only, you know, we're only four games in, but yeah. look, it's uh, you know nobody's definitely getting carried away. There's a lot, there's a lot of hard work to go, and you know the young boys have got a lot to go as well in terms of experience and and trying to cement a you know starting place in the team, but. Obviously, don't forget you got the likes of Nisbet that that you know that came through the system here as well. Um, you know he's been fantastic, and and, and again, you know, people doubted him because of his size and stuff. But you know, when you know Nizzy, you know he's got a massive heart and he worked harder than anybody. And you know to see him in there as well is he, great. So a lot, I think, like I say, it's probably about eight percent of come through the first uh, through the academy at some point. Um, but then you need your you know you need your players that you talk about there. Your Barry Gage, your Mike Simons, Bazaniches, because. You know they're they're the spiny team and you need that experience because one thing you can never buy is experience and, and that only comes from from playing games. So like I say, long may it continue. And there's definitely more young boys as well that are underneath that, that, that the club have not seen it, well that the fans have not seen yet. And I think you know if things go well, the opportunity for them will come as well. So I'll keep pushing them and, and hopefully they'll be ready. Um, you know when the time comes and. The top top scorer for me last season, as season with the twenty threes, actually went out on loan to to Hong Kong Premier League to a friend of mine, yeah. Zesh Raymond, that coaches out there. So look, it's not just opportunity here; it's opportunity overseas, and yeah. I think, you know, by providing the young players that, that's what as a club the Mariners are, are trying to do now, and we're trying to put that in place so that you know, we become a we become a club club that gives opportunities to, to to good players. But again, they have to they have to deserve it and they have to be good enough. Absolutely. 
Yeah, um, you did mention Matty Simon. I uh, he has uh, pretty much a stalwart of the uh, A League. He's been been around for a while. Uh, he's also probably the crowd favourite to uh, to hate. And on the field, he does come across as maybe a little bit of a grub, of just a niggly player. What's he like as a as 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 a bloke, but also as you said with those younger players and the experience? I oh, just a champion bloke. I mean, again, like it's. The my Simon to get on the pitch. I'd have him. I'd have him in my team any day. And um, you know, I wasn't the probably wasn't the nicest player myself on the pitch. I love to tackle. I love to, you know, to to um, you know put off the opposition. And, and I think you know that's all part and parcel of elite sports. About winning games. And Mike Simon's a winner. And I don't care what anybody says about him. The guy's an absolute champion of a bloke. And when he's on the pitch, you know, all the defenders are all constantly on edge and. That allows other players to, and look, people don't see that, you know. Again, I see it because I know Matty and I've, I've played the game for, for 20 years, but, you know, you have players on the pitch that, that don't get the respect they deserve. And I think as a footballer, he's, he's, he's a good player, you know, he holds the ball up, he's deadly in the box, for, airily if, if you get crosses in the box. Oh, yeah. but, but just the leadership that he gives the boys in training, the demands he put on them, um, you know, as a captain and a leader that he has been. You know, I had the same myself. You have to, you know, you have to demand. You have to drive after young players. And Matty, uh, like I say, the fans like to hate him um, because he gets stuck in, and um, I think at times he gets uh, he gets a rough end of the stick because of his reputation. But he's a top guy, and like at 35, he's 35 the other day against Sydney. So to get a two 0 win against his, Sydney's old team on his 35th birthday, he's uh, I was delighted for him. Yeah, that was a big result, and he really—you could tell that he got under their skin during that entire, or the entire game. He was time he was on the pitch, so that just shows you exactly what he is. Um, you touched on Alan Stadjic before. Um, we had a podcast before this called the Talking Prem Pod, which is how I initially reached out to you. Um, I said very early on in that show that with with him in charge in charge there, I thought he was a really good coach, not just tactically, but the way he works with younger players, as he did with the Matildas, and it's just it's really good to see him doing what he's doing at the Mariners now because yeah last year was pretty rough just you know coming into the squad the way he did and having to sort of sort it out and figure it out and get around it but you you can just see how good a coach he is with the way that they are playing now from where they were last year they were bottom last year and so far this season as you said it's early days but the way they're playing now they have purpose they have direction they're not going to be the easy beats that they have been in the past I mean an F3 derby win to start the season knocking off Sydney FC very unlucky to lose to the Wanderers. Probably should have got at least a draw there. That was um, pretty unlucky. But I mean, he he is probably one of the better coaches in the league. Just yeah, that's no look. Stadges again. Stadges, Stadges. You know, international level with the women. Um, you know, was successful. Had a tough time there. I'm sure you saw in the media. So yeah. no doubt that would affect any human being. Absolutely. What happened? And and you know, he definitely got. Uh, you know, the rough end of the stick, and, and and probably a lot of unjust media attention. But you know, he came into the job. Um, you know, I've worked closely with him sort of last year, and, and saw what he went through. Um, and he just works. He works very, very hard. Um, and I think in in, in any job, if you're going to work that hard, you know, ultimately you're going to you know you're going to get success. But you know, like you said, it wasn't wasn't an easy start for him. And like you said, look, you know, when you're going up against squads that are spending three, four times as much, which yeah. is always the case with the Mariners. And and I think this season it's definitely been a leveler in terms of clubs not spending as much and and having to play young players. But again, I think that's where. Our strength is, is having some good young players coming through and, and pushing, which is which has been seen. But you know, as a manager, you've got to give them the opportunity, and and, and Alan's given them that. Um, you know, at times we you know we speak a lot about the young players and, and and you know who's doing well and who deserves to train with the first team because again that's an opportunity. Yeah, you know when you train with the first team, that's your opportunity to, to put yourself in contention to play. Um, and like you said, you know he's the, the it's early doors, but with the young players coming through. And the and, and the results he's had so far, it's you know it's fitting for for the hard work that that, that he's put in and his staff and like you said as as a club you know we know that developing young players has to be a, a main focus for us because we don't have the, the you know we don't have the resources and the facilities of, of other clubs but what we do have is a is a structure and a pathway that the best young kids can come to us and and you know have a good chance of, of progressing into the first team so. It's uh, yeah, so it's a good balancing act with the experience and youth. But I think right now, you know, as a club, we're we're on a good platform. But that's all it is. It's the foundation, and hopefully, we can we can kick on and, and like you say, you know, long may it continue. 
Yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, it is again early doors in the A League, but how how do you guys feel when you're about to head out? Because obviously at the moment, most of the uh, New South Wales teams are only playing amongst themselves. So Mariners, the Jets, the Wanderers, Sydney FC, and then obviously the New Boys, MacArthur FC. What? Uh, how are you looking at when uh, getting the players ready to obviously then travel further? Like obviously, when you obviously might have to travel to Perth to play Perth, or when they're even like the long distance ones. So, how how do you get players ready for those ones? Oh, well, most of the players here are used to travelling. Um, you know, obviously, uh, most of them like the like the travel at times. Especially if you've got young screaming kids, get yourself away for a couple of days. Um, but look, it's normal. Everyone knows what's again in terms of the impact COVID's had. It's uh, you know the fact there is hardly anything over here in Australia is is amazing. So again, whenever there's been a little thing, they've shut the borders to make sure you know nothing nothing spreads. And uh, again, the jaws the jaws constantly changing. So you know, like I say, the experienced boys in the first team, then the young boys are just excited to be playing football. So you know, whatever happens, the boys will deal with it. And, um, you know, over here with it, with it, with the travel, you always go the day before, if not two days before. So, you know, there's, there's again, there's plenty of time to prepare for every game. But at some point, there might be quite a lot of games in a short space of time, and that's one thing that I used to love, you know, playing playing in England. Whereas here, it's normally one game every week. Um, so again, that you know, that possibly gives some young players more opportunity at, at all the early clubs because. When you play a lot of games in a short space of time, you get injuries, suspensions, and, and like you say, opportunities will open up. So everybody's in the same boat, and like you said, I think we're pretty lucky uh, to be to be here with the uh, you know, with the very little COVID cases that there is. When you look at Europe and, and speak to people overseas, it's uh, it's 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 not good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've taken up a lot of your time, but I wanted to finish on a couple of little things. We've had small conversation about the current Sheffield United team and their chances of um, surviving. I'm almost resigned to the fact that it will be the championship next year. Nugget has drilled that into me quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. Do you have anything that might you might see in the team that might say otherwise or do you think it's going to be a long second half of the season and it will be championship next year? Oh look, it's going to be a big, big ask but you know, Chris has done an amazing job there the last couple of years I think you know, the success last year, bringing new signings in, um, you know, that, that, that haven't quite worked out. Obviously, struggling to score goals. Um, you know, obviously, the COVID as well, no fans in the stadium. And again, you know, everyone knows Bramall Lane when you've got a full house there, it's intimidating for anybody. I don't care who you are, yep. any team, you know, because when we used to play all the big teams there, they would, you know, they would, they would never leave without without a fight and I think having no fans there has, has affected some clubs. Um, and, and I think Sheffield United is one of them clubs that's. You know, definitely, you know, definitely felt that loss. Um, but look, Billy Sharp's a good friend of mine. Obviously, captain there, um, unbelievable uh, goal scorer, and I know he's uh, he's pushing to get back in the team. And um, you know, look, it's not impossible. It's going to be a tough ask, but one thing I know is that they'll, they'll keep fighting, and and you know, maybe they'll get on a good run and, and get get results because there's other teams down there that are going to struggle as well, and yeah. you can already see that. Um, look, like I said, it's not impossible. It's going to be a big ask, but. Uh, like I said, I know that you know, I know the club there, and Chris and the boys will just you know, will keep fighting to, yep. to to keep the dream alive, and, and uh, fingers crossed that they can pull off a great escape. Oh yeah, well, um, great escape part two. Uh, the Leicester escape in 2015 was probably the first one. Sheffield United, can we do it this year? Jamie hopes so. Oh, I think you guys will be versing Nottingham Forest in the championship <laughs> next year with me. So oh, maybe, one, maybe one year back down and then back up again. That's so. it. Probably because we're going to get relegated this year anyway, so it doesn't matter. But um, as long as they stick with Chris Wilder, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm I'm pretty much out. Uh, Jamie, you got anything else for Nick? Or no, that was it. I tried not to keep it too blade centric, so I think I got three little questions in there. So I'm okay. I'm happy with that. I can happy deal with that. that. Anyway, um, thanks a lot, Nick, for uh, taking the time out of your uh, Sunday yeah. evening to, to chat with us, and uh, look, really appreciate it. So good luck for the rest of the season with the Mariners, and uh, hopefully the Wanderers can knock you off again. <laughs> Cheers, guys! Like, thank good you. To, good to chat. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Australia Day, and take care. Yeah, you thank, too. Thanks thank very you. much, man. Really appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, guys. Awesome. Wow, that was so wow. fun. <laughs> Nick Montgomery on the first episode of the Circle and Rectangle Show, and Jamie, has your heart stopped racing yet? No, um, that was awesome. Um, sorry if I went too hard into the blades. I tried to keep it light, but he is my all-time favorite Sheffield United player. 
bar none. Um, Billy Sharp's a legend. Chris Morgan was a legend when I was growing up watching him, but to have him on the show, it just feels surreal. And it's just, yeah, it's awesome. The first guest of many, but yeah, again, yeah, thank you, Nick Montgomery, for taking the yes. time out and talking with us. And uh, look, that's that's probably the wrap the wrap up of the first episode of the Circle and Rectangle yeah. Show. Thank you all for sticking around, but uh, Jamie's going to go cry himself to sleep with tears of joy. He's he's really excited about this, but uh, yeah, Jamie, mate, yeah. that was that was your dream. That was yeah, <laughs> that was. I never honestly n- never thought we'd get him on. When I reached out to him, I thought he's probably not going to have time. But you know, he he came back to me almost immediately. We've corresponded over the time because we've had to push it back, and that was awesome. <laughs> that was so good. Great way to start the show. That's uh, for sure. That was absolutely outstanding. So again, um, thank you all for listening. Hit us up on yep. the socials at what are they, Jamie? Uh, Twitter at C in our show, um, Facebook and Instagram is the Circle and Rectangle Show, and don't forget to like, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Plenty of reviews. If we reach a certain amount of reviews, we're not really sure. We're discussing how many. Um, we will do a giveaway, um, possibly I don't know your team's A League jersey or something. We'll discuss it. Depending, there'll, there'll be tears, but um, yeah, um, just hit us up, interact with us, like, rate, review, subscribe. Um, thank you for your support. I'm sorry if I fanboyed too much, but I felt like I kept it in check. I I, I thought you did pretty well, but um, yeah. Any 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 guests that you guys want to listen to? Any yeah. yeah good. Look, we're not we're not professional journalists. We've done no such any kind of one studying of the of the sort. Yep. We're just two blokes that like talking football and yep. obviously talking to former Premier League and A League stars. But yeah, any 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 suggestions? Please hit us up. But uh, and again, I'm done. Thank you, Jamie. Thank That's you, everyone, for, me, for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Don't. What have I told you?